Thanks for listening to Bezier. Bezier is sponsored by Superhigh, online courses for code, design, and product management. Superhigh's courses can be done in your own home at your own pace. I've been a Superhigh student since 2017 and have gone from being a designer feeling alienated by the should designers code discourse to building my own sites and now even selling web design services. My favorite part of Superhigh is the community of learners. As a Superhigh student, you're added to this huge community of all the other Superhigh students. It's filled with inspiring people from all over the world in all different places in their careers. I've gotten work there, I found podcast guests there, and even made in-person friends, all because of Superhigh. It's easy to get started. There's an online code editor. You can do it on your own schedule. There's built-in community of learners. It's got everything you need. Start learning to code, design, or product manage today at superhigh.com. I'd like to have my guests introduce themselves. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm Mac and uh, my pronouns are she, her. And I'm a product designer that loves solving problems. I live in San Francisco currently by way of New York City, and I grew up in New England for those familiar um, with the US. When I'm not designing, I love to cook, hike, be near the water, spend time with friends, and travel. When the pandemic is over, where's your first travel destination? Oh, I really wanna go back to New Zealand. I really loved it there. Nice. I haven't been, but I've heard it's beautiful. I recommend. It's like my retirement goal is to just land in New Zealand and just live with the environment there. It's a really neat vibe. So, Mac, we actually know each other. We used to yep. work together at Square. And last time I saw you, you were on, correct me if I'm wrong, the legal team. I was. I haven't always been a product designer. <laughs> I pivoted into design from law and finance. But I do think that I was always destined to get into design. I just didn't have that exposure growing up. And there's this awesome quote by Elizabeth Gilbert from her book, Big Magic, that I totally resonate with. And it's, the universe buries strange jewels deep within us all, and then stands back to see if we can find them. And that just reminds me of, of my journey of getting into design. And I love that I'm having this conversation with you because you were the first designer that I worked with when we were at Square. No way. And so that was like my aha moment, having that exposure. So thank you. I didn't know I was part of your journey, but that's super exciting. You are. It's such a unique perspective. I'd, I'd love maybe you could talk about what that aha moment felt like and then what happened from there when we left off. Uh, I think we worked together up until I left Square in 2017. From there to now, what was that journey like? Oh gosh, well, it's very much like that quote that I just referenced. There are these little moments like growing up and in college, and even when I was thinking about going to law school, I'd get lost in these little like design quirks and solving problems. And so I think the aha moment of actually having exposure to people working in design, it was sort of like, oh, like I've always been destined to do this. I just didn't see it before. And so from that moment to now, it's just been trying to figure out how to pivot into it. Because it is an interesting journey. It's a different background, but also a very appropriate one. 
I think. My education was in sociology and justice studies. I totally geek out on human behavior. I always have. So I think having that background is incredibly beneficial to product design. And then this background in in finance and law, I, I had a lot of exposure to kind of business strategy, corporate development, corporate governance, and sort of investor strategy which I think goes hand in hand with product design as well. Getting to this point, it's like trying to piece together all of these little experiences that I've had along this journey to try to kind of bolster this sort of new career. Yeah, I really feel like it's our skills outside of our main discipline that really give us that extra special something. And yeah, I often attribute the things that I know that are not design related to a lot of the success I have doing design work. So I really feel that. And sociology, I think, is such a great skill to have that a lot of designers, uh, including myself, wish they had. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's a homogenous industry, and it's nice to see that there, there are a lot of people trying to pivot into it from various backgrounds that are incredible. Like, we need that representation in the design industry especially. Yeah, you mentioned the homogenous industry. What can we do about it? What are your tips for like fighting it being a lot of the same, you know, to be frank, cis straight white men, mostly in the Bay Area from higher socioeconomic backgrounds? Like, how do we break that up? Oh, yeah, that's a big one. And I've had some experience with this. I've once had a boss who did embody that sort of white cis male club culture at work. And it's a challenge to try to steer the ship in a better direction when you're not in that sort of power role. And so there's a lot you can do to try to correct that behavior. But from sort of like the perspective of, you know, an employee that doesn't have the tools in the power role, I would say like, First and foremost, take care of your mental wellness. It is a challenging fight, fighting against someone or a system that oppresses you or groups of people that you care about or or doesn't think to include groups of people. It's a tremendous issue in this industry, for sure, and it's exhausting work, especially if the people you are up against aren't willing to listen or change. And it's harder than you think to change those perspectives especially if it's rooted in this need for power. And one area that that I found success with it is to just find those connectors to help ground these woefully mediocre upholders of homogenous culture and help them see another person's perspective and that their experience may not be too far off from sort of their idea of this in-group and that this new perspective can help boost the team, the product, or the understanding of the product's customers. That kind of definitely speaks towards hiring and making sure that you have a representative team. But it's also, it it extends beyond that, right? Because you want to have these people at the table, but you also have to make sure that their voices are being amplified when they're at this table. So the work, it's never ending. In some ways, I think that's a good thing because it means we're evolving. We always will evolve. But, you know, at the end of the day, and this was a huge lesson that, that I learned myself, people will only meet you as far as they've met themselves. So like if you are in, you know, a leadership position and you have that power, get rid of these ghouls. 
if you unfortunately are not in that position, get out. <laughs> yeah. Get yourself out of there. Find a place that's right for you. I mean, the thing is, is the people who uphold this type of culture, they're kind of hanging themselves at this point because employees, customers, and investors are over it. And this might be the hardest thing, but don't be afraid to expose bad behavior. I know that's maybe a controversial opinion, but I, I think that it's necessary to have these conversations and to speak out against this homogenous culture that is not inclusive and in some ways can be discriminatory. It's a good reminder, especially like in this industry, we all have varying levels of privilege. And I think that's a really good reminder for everybody. We all have to embrace that humility and also stand tall in courage when approaching these topics. So you did the thing that I think a lot of people dream of but don't do because it's scary and takes a lot of bravery is you were in legal, you were doing finance strategy, investor relations stuff, that's how we interacted. Now you're a product designer. What was the first step? What advice do you have for people that are in that place where they're like, oh, I had my aha moment. Now what? You got to get real with yourself and and be honest about what it is you want to do. And that was the aha moment for me. And, And also having that exposure, which not everybody has the privilege to have access to what they want to do. So that one's a little bit more complicated. But the one thing that for me, at least going into design, the one thing that I did not do that I wish I had done was find a community, find a mentor. And it it took me until the beginning of this year to find that group to grow with. And that's my number one bit of advice when you are getting into a new field or or learning something new is is you have to immerse yourself in that community. You know, it helps you get comfortable sharing your work, especially if you're in a creative field, you have to share your work. Otherwise you don't exist. And you learn how to take feedback and iterate off of it. So much of design is collaboration and working with others. So you can't be learning in a tunnel. That has helped tremendously in my transition into design. That's really solid advice. I'm curious if you have advice on how to find that community or if there's any communities that you recommend. Yeah. So I'm a member of Design Full Time, which is a design community run by Dan Petty. It is an incredible crew of talented designers. It's Dan is the the mentor of the group. He, he puts it on, but everybody brings something to the table, which is really neat to have in a community. And in order to find the right community for yourself, you have to think about the areas that you want to grow in, right? Like, where are you lacking? What skills would you like to boost? And go from there. I mean, there are so many outlets now, especially post-pandemic. I think that there are a lot of online communities that are accessible to to everyone and design full-time. We have people from all over the world in it, which is awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. And I I think it's a really unique moment because like you said, there's more online venues for being social than ever. And there's a lot of people feeling alone and without social contact from being quarantined. And I'm looking forward to seeing how communities in general evolve. Yeah, that'll be an interesting one. 
What do you wish like more senior people or even mentors in the design field did differently? Oh, I think we need to drop this idea of being junior. I, I hear it all the time because I'm biased here, but there are people that are coming into especially design especially product design, with five, 10 years of related experience under their belt. And I think these people have a lot to bring to the table. And it's very much needed, as we've discussed. And yeah, I think I would say, just drop this idea of being being junior. We don't need to label ourselves because we all have these unique lived experiences and backgrounds that are relevant. It's really fantastic because I think about when hiring people, Well, I think just in general, like job searching right now, you see an entry level role that requires three years experience. And to me, that doesn't make sense. But like you said, that you have 10 years experience doing other things that are really relevant to the role. And it might just not be in with that job title previously. And I I think that's what you're getting at is like the job titles are kind of off to begin with. Definitely. I think we need to rethink how we do job descriptions and job titles and and how we source talent. It's you have to think about it differently. Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You just have to hire like great people and not necessarily based on like their CV. (laughs) Yeah. Hire for potential. Yeah, exactly. So maybe you could tell us a little bit more about what your day to day is like right now. Yes. So I'm currently open for work. So my my day-to-day is a little unique. So I'm in the process of fine-tuning my portfolio, adding new projects, and I'm also involved in this design community. So I work on projects and workshops through that as well. And so, yeah, my work routine, it shifts depending on how I'm feeling. I typically will align my tasks with the type of energy that I feel. So that allows me to maximize my productivity. I know like I'm privileged in that way that I have that option. Not everyone does, but it has been working out really well for me. And especially coming from a very like structured career into a more creative one, I think that's been fun to play with. But I definitely always carve out time for myself. I'm an early riser naturally. I make time to have my coffee, meditate, set goals for the day. And if I get stuck on something like, I just get outside, go for a walk, do a workout, do something else that's creative that isn't focused on what I'm trying to to accomplish, you know. It's so important to have those creative outlets outside of the work that you do if you're a creative person. A hundred percent. That is a gem that took me a really long time to learn, so I'm I'm glad you have that already. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You mentioned that you were interested in getting into product design, that you were job searching right now. Yes. I think very highly of the Bezier community of listeners, and I think maybe together we could help Mac get a job. So if you could throw out to our audience a a dream job or a a place you'd want to work or the type of role you'd like to be doing, what would it be? Yeah, definitely. Yes, I'm a product designer, and I just want to identify and solve problems with good humans. Generally speaking, that's my dream job. I love what I do and I could do this every day for the rest of my life and not only be the the happiest person, but be constantly challenged. So let's see, as a product designer, products that inspire me are tools that enable and empower people to create, connect, and collaborate with one another and also explore. 
But looking to the future, I do have two dream jobs. I see myself becoming like a designer growth designer and help develop designer skills through mentorship or coaching. I've always gravitated towards helping others level up. And I think that is something that I'll always incorporate into my work and life. And then the other is designing a public space. I saw this documentary in college on the design of city plazas and they just like people watched all day and made notes of how people used or didn't use the space. And I think that'd be so much fun, either in real life or digitally. And where would you not want to work? Oh gosh, places with like a lot of ego. Nice. I don't know anywhere like that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in this industry. <laughs> what is one book that you think everyone should read? Ooh, I just finished this. It's called behave by Robert Sapolsky. And it's a fascinating book. It's 700 pages long, but he looks at human behavior at our best and worst through the lens of neurobiology, as well as sociological factors. And I think, especially if you're, if you look at human behavior in any capacity, like you should read this book. It's one of the best books I've ever read. I'm looking forward to reading that one. Maybe in pieces, because 700 pages It's It's taken me a few months. <laughs> yeah, I bet. What about people? Who's someone that everyone should know about? Ooh, so I, I mentioned I'm in this design community, and it's run by Dan Petty, who is an incredible designer, incredible human. You're in design and you don't know who Dan Petty is. You should look him up. It's Dan with two N's. And sort of the, the crew that I'm working with now in his community, gotta know them. Like they are some of the most talented minds in the creative industry. A lot of designers in, in multiple disciplines. And I'm actually in the process of creating like a Twitter list of all of these people that I can share on my Twitter. And I'll probably do that every week or two, just share this list to get people to look at these emerging designers because they're just, they're, they do phenomenal work. And I think that they should be recognized. I believe everyone should get paid for their time. So we share the proceeds from this show with all of our guests. Other than that, are there ways that our audience can support you? Uh, I'm on Cash App. Cash App, perfect. Support Cash App. <laughs> link Cash App in the, the notes. People can send you some bucks. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, I guess that another way someone could support you is by hooking you up with a job. So. Yeah. We'll put that as well. People could find your work. I was on your portfolio earlier and super impressed, excited, excited for more people to get in there and see it. Thank you. And then where are the best places for people to find you? Definitely on Twitter. I'm pretty active there. Mac, it's been so great talking to you and catching up. Is there anything else that you'd like to share before we wrap up? Not really. I'm, I'm just so psyched to, to talk to you, catch up and see you. And it's it's been so long. Um, thank you so much for, for having me on here. It's been great. Bezier is a design interview podcast amplifying voices in our creative communities that don't already have large platforms and aren't working at big five tech companies. We focus on finding guests from all over the world and representative of as many of us as possible. If you have a great guest idea for Bezier, please email us at inquiry at zoct.studio. That's I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y at Z-A-C-H-T dot studio.